Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. God, do you hear me? Are you really listening to my prayers or are they falling on deaf ears? Are you really, really there, God? What is the point of prayer in the first place? My friends, today's guest is none other than Pastor Derwin Gray. Now, for those of you that don't know who this incredible man is, you're in for a real treat. But Pastor Derwin Gray is the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped community just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. He has written several books, most recently his uh, best-selling book, God Do You Hear Me?, and the best-selling book, The Good Life. Pastor Gray and his wife, Vicky have been married since 1992 and have two adult children. After graduating from BYU, Pastor Derwin played professional football in the NFL for five years with the Indianapolis Colts and one year with the Carolina Panthers, if I can say that correctly. During that time, he and Vicky began their journey with Christ and experienced God's faithfulness and direction as he move their hearts to know him and to make him known. Pastor Derwin went on to graduate magnum cum laude from Southern Evangelical Seminary with a Master's of Divinity with a concentration in apologetics, something that I'm very interested in myself. He was mentored by renowned theologian and philosopher Dr. Norman Geisler, In 2015, he was awarded an honorary doctorate from Southern Evangelical Seminary. In 2018, he received his Doctor of Ministry in the New Testament in Context at Southern Seminary under Dr. Scott McKnight. Now, my friends, Dr. Derwin Gray and I talk about his brand new book, God, Do You Hear Me? And if we're quite honest with each other, this is probably a, a sentiment that we have all shared at one point in our life. Prayer can be challenging and confusing for some people. We don't know how to pray or what to pray for sometimes. We don't know the words to say and sometimes it just feels like there's no one on the other side, right? 
Through the pages of Dr. Derwin Gray's brand new book, uh, Derwin will journey with you, with all of us, in learning and living the prayer that God always answers. This prayer is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. The Lord's Prayer is a firm foundation God uses to build our lives on the rock. It will help you break through a completely new and refreshing prayer life. And I have to say, as I was reading this book, there are some prayers that Derwin finishes at the very end of this book that make you think they are, (laughs) let me just say they're quite profound and they have been incredibly helpful to me in my life and my actual prayer life as a result. Uh, And we do share one of them in this conversation. But my friends, if you do get something from this conversation, and I have no doubt that you will, then please share it around to all your friends and your family that everyone know about this one. If you don't know how to pray or what prayer is in the first place, then this is definitely a conversation for everyone, really. Uh, So please help support Derwin as well by getting a copy of his book. I'll make the links available for you in the show notes below. Uh, Also, my friends, I'd love it if you could please leave a rating and review over another podcast. Really do appreciate each and every one of you that continue to come back and listen in. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Pastor Derwin Gray. Why, why don't you go ahead and pray so I can hear your accent? Let's do it. Okay. Dear me, Father, Lord, just want to thank you so much for the day that you've given us, Lord. Thank you that we get to connect even through Zoom. Thank you for the ability to uh, get to speak through through your word today and, and learn more about what it means to really speak to you and hear you. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you give uh, Dr. Derwin Gray the ability to say what you want him to say during this conversation, Lord. And I'm really, really looking forward to being a blessing to him and to his audience as well, as well as my my own, but Lord, I just want to pray that you open up hearts and open up minds in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much. It's an honor and privilege to be with you. And I'm just mesmerized by your Aussie accent. And you gave me an incredible introduction. I'm going, oh my gosh, Holy Spirit, you better show up because Jay just, uh, man, good gracious. But thank you for that. God is God is incredibly kind and, and gracious. And so uh, just even a fact, uh, I grew up in a very poor area of, of San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. And to think now, I'm talking to you all the way in Australia and I'm just, I'm grateful, man. I'm, I'm just blown away with the kindness of God. So thank you for having me. It's a real honor, man. And, and to be honest with you, I, I do feel like the presence of God is b- between both of us today is in the midst of us, even though we're through zoom, <laughs> I believe that is still possible. And we we're just we're praying a moment ago and I, I really felt, you know, honestly, blessed to be in your presence today, but also to get to unbox your story and speak to you about this message of why prayer is so powerful. But before we do all that, I have one question that I do want to ask you, my friend, that I normally ask all my guests at the very start anyway, which is what does success look like for you? Mm, That's a, that's a beautiful question. Um, before I came to know Jesus, success to me would have been, I become a very famous professional football player, uh, not as tough as the rugby players because rugby players don't wear 
any pads, but football players do. So for me, success was I became famous and wealthy and I was able to give my family money uh, in Texas um, and people knew who I was. Uh, but after I came to know Jesus, uh, my definition of success changed to number one, receiving and allowing the life giving love of Jesus to fill my heart. Success looks like loving my wife, loving my children, loving the church. God has called me to steward and lead. And loving people, particularly people who are far, far from God, who are social outcasts, who feel damaged, who feel like they've gone too far, who feel like they're not, their life is not worth living. People who feel like they've been left behind. Uh, I want to love the people that Jesus loved. And last I checked, for God so loved the world. And so to me, success is becoming a person of deep sacrificial love and compassion while at the same time stewarding my God-given talents for his glory and my joy for the sake of the world. I love that. When was the moment for you, Derwin, that you understood God's love for you, that you accepted God's love into your life? What was that story? Yeah, you know, so let me preface it with this. I'm still understanding God's love for me, even though I've walked in his love for many years, mm. it's like each day, uh, the dynamic of his love grows more and more. So uh, growing up in Texas, uh, my family, we didn't really go to church. And so we would have been classified as unchurched. We were spiritual or religious, but we didn't go to church. Um, so at about age 13, for me, football, in essence, became my God. And so Football gave me affirmation. Mm. It gave me identity. It gave me purpose. And that's what a God does. And so in high school, I worked really hard. And I knew the only way I was going to college is if I got a scholarship because my family couldn't afford it. I was the first one in my immediate family to graduate high school or go to college. So I ended up getting a football scholarship. And uh, my freshman year, I met this girl and we've been together ever since I was 18. She was 19. So we've been together 32 years, been married 29 years. Her name is Vicky and she was on the track team. So she threw the javelin. And so uh, she would be perfect for the outback of Australia. We could go <laughs> and she could do some things with that javelin. So I was both attracted to her and terrified all at once. She was a perfect combination. So... <laughs> Both of us in college really excel. She's valedictorian of the school. I went on to have a legendary football career. And then I got drafted to the NFL, which is in 1993. And in my mind, I thought I'd reached heaven. You know, that was that was my goal. And that first year was just so disappointing. Um, I wasn't playing much. Um, I didn't really have friends on the team. But by my third year in the NFL, I was a team captain and I was really good. I was I was I was doing big things. I was living my dream. Uh, but at the end of that season, it just it just kind of hit me like there's got to be more to life than this. So I had the money. I had the girl. I did all the things I wanted to do, but I still couldn't get over the fact that my father abandoned me. Mm -hmm. I still couldn't get over the fact that I had been sexually molested as a little boy. And no matter how much I tried to do to show how strong I was, it was still there. 
I couldn't get over the fact that I couldn't love my wife the way she deserved to be loved because my experience taught me if people got close to you, they could hurt you. So if anybody's going to hurt me, it's going to be me. And then I didn't know what sin was, but I knew I needed forgiveness. Romans 12, 2, 12, uh, 2, 12 says that the law of God is written on our hearts. So there was this conviction there through the, through the spirit, but I just didn't know what it was. So, but God in his grace gave me a teammate who played for the Indian Apples Colts. His name was Steve Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his nickname was the Naked Preacher. Because every day after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist and get his Bible. And then he would say to my teammates, do you know Jesus? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm going, mm, do you know you're half naked? I mean, it's the strangest thing to me. In a professional football player locker room, there's a guy half naked with a Bible asking guys, do you know Jesus? So I asked the veterans on the team, what's up with the half naked black man walking around talking about, do you know Jesus? They said, don't pay no attention to him. That's the naked preacher. Mm. So one day I'm sitting in my locker and he walks towards me and I turn away from him, letting him know I'm not interested. And then he asked me a question that ultimately changed my life. He said, uh, do you know Jesus? And that began this five-year relationship where I watched his life. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he was faithful to his God. He was faithful to his wife. And whenever teammates needed wisdom or advice, they went to him. And so on August 2nd, 1997, it was my fifth year in the NFL. We were at training camp at Anderson University in Anderson, Indiana, and training camp is where you're, you know, you're away from your family, you're training. And um, I just re- remember after lunchtime, I walked back to my dorm really slow by myself. And it was just this chasm in my soul. That's the best way I could describe it. When I got to my dorm room, I called my wife on the phone and I said, sweetheart, I want to be more committed to you. I was ready to try to love. Mm. And then I said, and I want to be committed to Jesus. And Jay, the best way I can describe it is I felt the divine love of God in Christ. For the first time in my life, I knew that I was loved. And it wasn't because I was good at sports. It wasn't because I was good at anything. God actually knew I wasn't good. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross, because he's good. And it was like for the first time I could see that the cross is not spelled C-R-O-S-S. It's spelled L-O-V-E. And I was just mesmerized by God's grace. And for three nights after that, before I went to bed, I, I I would just cry. And I would say, how could someone like Jesus love somebody like me? And that happened, man, 23 years ago, 24 years ago. And I haven't gotten over his love. Mm -hmm. I've only become more spellbound by his love. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way, man, to be honest with you. I mean, I was saved at the age of, I think, six. And I'm still, as many times as I have fallen away from God and God's brought me back to him, I've always been amazed at, at the fact that he could love someone as sinful, as rotten, as someone that has stuffed up more times than I care to admit that he could be so gracious and loving and kind towards me 
that he could give me the very best purpose on this earth that I could ever imagine that he could take me places where I never even thought or dreamed of and that he could do a work through me. And, and just that to me, it's not about me one bit. Like it's all about him. And I just love you. I love your story, man. I love your testimony and, and, what you're doing today and sharing God's love with the world, with your, your messages and your, your books too. It's, it's really, it's transformational and you run a church named transformation church, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, and I, I do have to go back a little bit and, and say that I understand what you went through about being molested and, and cause same thing pretty much happened to me when I was six years old uh, and not knowing how to heal from that, not knowing how to really understand what that really meant um, as a, as a man as well. Like yeah. you have all these questions flooding through your mind, but if God can forgive me, who am I not to forgive that person? Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way I see it. But I wanted to ask well, you, and, and, uh, you know, you know, Jade, let, let, let me, um, I think the Holy Spirit is bringing us to this moment because one out of four women are sexually molested (laughs) and one out of five men are. And what powers of darkness do demonic forces is they attach themselves to our trauma. And it's very important for us that we remember that Jesus's triumph is greater than our trauma. And that our pain unleashes our purpose. And yes, I do forgive and we are to forgive, but there are consequences to those actions. And so, you know, the the persons who did this to us, you know, I I pray that the fullness of the extent of the law would be applied to them. But forgiveness means what you did was wrong. I'm just not going to allow what you did to re-traumatize me by playing it over and over in my mind. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to replay over and over the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to replay over and over the mercy of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to replay over and over that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit sealed and filled and a beloved son of God called and chosen to be in the bosom of the father. And so for anybody out there who has experienced this type of trauma, I just want to let you know, you are more than a conqueror in Christ who loves you. Amen. Amen to that. And I appreciate you sharing that too, because it is, it is important that people need to understand that. And I, I had to understand it myself and it took a lot of a long time for me to actually get to that place. But when I did, it finally made a lot of sense and I'm glad Amen. that it did. Uh, so for you though, and on speaking on the topic of love, uh, what do you now love the most about yourself and your story? Wow. Do you know, no one's ever asked me that question before. That <laughs> is a profound question. What do I love most about myself? Um, what I would say that I love most about myself is I love the man that Jesus has raised up. Like I, I really dig how Jesus has formed and fashioned me. Yeah. 
And uh, I'm not who I used to be. And I'm excited about who he's continually transforming me to be. Yeah. I love that. And I wanted to ask you as well, because you were in the NFL, you end up leaving the NFL and going to start a church, Transformation Church. And can you share the story behind understanding that that was God's calling, real calling for your life? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you know, so the way my wife and I describe it is that God absolutely set us up because we had no church background. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't know what evangelism or discipleship was or all we knew was this. If Jesus's love can transform us, he can transform anybody. And so when we became Christians, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's like down in Australia, but here in the United States, uh, when we became Christians, it was strange for us because we had to either choose a black church or a white church. But yet when we were unbelievers, when we went to the nightclub to party, it looked like Revelation 5-9, every nation, tribe and tongue. And so the American church was very segregated based on ethnicity. Yeah. And so we begin to ask other Christians, why is it this way? And no one gave us good answers. And when we read the Bible, we saw Jews and Gentiles made up the early church, that the early church was a multi-ethnic family. God made a covenant to give Abraham a multi-ethnic family of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And his family learned to love each other, that uh, there's no such thing as being colorblind. We're colorblessed. Our ethnicity is not erased. It's celebrated, right? And, And so... After many years of doing that, uh, we just sense the Holy Spirit say, well, um, you can either criticize that there are not many multi-ethnic churches or you can plant one with a deep gospel conviction. And so it was about a from about 2000, I would say five to 2010. So it was a five year process of really thinking about what that meant to plant a multi-ethnic church. And I just I just want everybody to understand this. Our church is not ethnically diverse because it's cool and hip. Our church is ethnically diverse because in Genesis 12, God, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a family made up of all the families on the earth. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And so individual salvation does not exist just so that you can be saved. To be saved means we are included into the family God promised Abraham. And it's a beautiful multi-ethnic family of oneness and unity and sanctification through the Holy Spirit's power is us learning to love each other the way Jesus loves us. 100%. Do you remember the continual prayers that you were praying at at that time? I do. I do. I re, I remember in the fall of 1999 and um, I had just retired from the NFL and I got invited to speak at a youth event. And I remember praying in the shower, just crying. And I, and I said, you know, God, why do you want me to go and speak? I'm a compulsive stutterer. You know that speaking is so hard for me. People have laughed at me my whole life. Why would you want me to do this? I can't send someone else. And I didn't hear a voice, but I, I just I just sense God the Father say, if I can raise my son from the dead, I can raise your tongue to talk. But you have to go to see it happen. Yeah. And so we went down to Columbia, South Carolina, which is about an hour and a half from Charlotte. 
and I had no cards and they were falling out of my pocket and I was just sharing and I was crying and a bunch of kids got saved. And then people started calling me to come speak. And then as the years go by, you know, we're in the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm in seminary and I'm working on master's degrees. I'm working on my doctorate and all this stuff. And if you did this in the early church, you can do it in today's church. And um, I'm adequate to do this, mm-hmm. but you have to be my adequacy. Um, I believe that the prayers that God are the prayers that bring God glory through our weakness that bring God glory through our inadequacies. Uh, Weak is the new strong. Mm. Did God answer all of your prayers during that period of time? Oh, gosh, no. And I'm so glad he didn't because (laughs) some of my prayers were absolutely ridiculous. You, you, you see that, that that's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about our God who is all knowing and who is sovereign is he will say no to prayers that are actually going to hurt us. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we're like children that go into a candy store and all we want to do is eat candy and that's going to make us sick. Mm. And there'll be times where God will give us a little bit of candy and go no more. Mm. I love you too much to allow you to be sick. But then there's other times where the Lord answers your prayers, but it's not the way you think he should have answered them, which is another thing. God is infinitely wise and smart. God has no teacher. All knowledge is his. And so if that's true and he's good and he's holy, that means he can't lie. He's completely trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So that means that when he answers our prayers and it doesn't look the way we wanted it to look, it's the right thing because we can trust him. And then there's some prayers that he doesn't answer right away. And this is one of the things that I detail in the book is because God doesn't have a past. He doesn't have a future. He just lives in the eternal present. And so past, present, and future is right now to him. And so there are prayers that I prayed 15 years ago that are just now getting answered. Well, according to him, they're not late. They're right on time. (laughs) That is like a mind boggling thing for a lot of people to understand because for often, oftentimes, and I don't know if this has been your mindset, but I want God to answer that prayer now. (laughs) It's kind of like we, we go, we try and go ahead of God. And why is that? Why is the fact that we do pray something and then we just want it now? Why is that the case? Well, um, I would I would say the reason why we do that is because we really haven't taken time to listen to Jesus when Jesus tells his disciples in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. He says, therefore, when you pray, you should pray like this. And he starts with our father in heaven. That word father in Aramaic is Abba. It means Papa. It's a, it's a term of intimacy into me, you see. Prayer is about seeing into the very heart of God and getting our heart in sync with God's heart. So notice, our Father, holy is your name, your kingdom come. Mm. So notice, if we pray that, we're already aligning ourselves to God's will instead of trying to align God to our will. And then it gets to give us this day our 
daily bread. That's the supplication. That's the asking. But when we soak ourselves in the Father's love, when we soak ourselves in honoring God's name, when we soak ourselves saying, God, your kingdom come, then what we ask for is going to be an alignment with God's will. So the Lord's prayer reveals God's will and aligns us to the assignment of God's kingdom. But it starts with a father who loves us. How do we know? Look at the cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the Lord's prayer continues with, forgive us of our sin, that we may forgive those who sinned against us. And then we can overcome evil and darkness and death through the life of Jesus. Mm. So the Lord's prayer aligns our hearts with God's heart. The Lord's prayer is not about changing God's mind. It's about changing our mind to have the mind of Christ. Because Christ taught us all how we should pray in, in the gospels. Does that mean that we should pray exactly like that every single day? So we can pray it verbatim or we can use it as a framework. So, um, have you ever seen like uh, a dance of like ballet, ballet or whatever? There's a choreographer, right, yeah. to, 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 to show them how to dance. Well, the Lord's Prayer is Jesus saying, here's choreography to help you dance to the rhythm of God's grace. So in the morning and at noontime, I pray the Lord's Prayer word for word. And I say this, Lord, may this prayer move me to embody it. And I pray that for me, my wife, my children, Transformation Church, the church around the world, and unbelievers who are yet to discover Christ. Yeah. At night, I pray Psalm 23 because I want the word of God on my heart and my mind before I go to bed. But throughout the day, I'm using the Lord's prayer as a framework Mm. Oh, Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I want to honor your name with my thoughts and my actions. Jesus, I want your kingdom to come in me and through through me. Lord, you're the bread of life. You know what I need. Provide my needs, not my greeds. Father, thank you for forgiveness. May I be forgiving. And Lord, when temptation comes, thank you that you gave me a way out of temptation because of the blood of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And so the Lord's prayer becomes a framework or a choreography so we can learn to dance to the rhythm of God's grace. And uh, Jay, prayer is not just talking. It's also listening. Yeah. It's also being silent. Prayer is a disposition of the heart to be open to God's divine influence, wisdom, and presence in every facet of life. Mm. That one of the Bible verses that I resonate with a lot is at the very beginning of that verse it's in psalm 46 i believe in verse 10 where he says be still and know that i am god and i don't think that he's just talking about you know i believe he's talking about when we are praying when we are still as listening to god 100 mm-hmm. knowing his voice really knowing his voice <laughs> and being able to determine between whether it's satan our flesh or really, if it's God, and I think that's that's so important. So, is there is there like a limit to how many times we should be praying as Christians? <laughs> well, 
you know, when the apostle Paul says pray without ceasing, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean we're talking all the time. I think what Paul is, is getting us to get is think about him in everything you do. Like right now I'm praying as I'm talking for God's grace and mercy to flow in me and through me. And so prayer, once again, is a way of being for the Christian because our hearts and our minds are thinking about him. And the more we know scripture, the better our prayer life is going to be because my words aren't inspired, but the Bible's words are inspired. And what's so beautiful about the Lord's prayer is it gives us a beautiful framework when we think about the father. So check this out. Like our father is good. Our father is just, our father is faithful. Our father is kind. Our father pours out wrath on injustice and grace on repentance. Mm -hmm. You you know, just thinking about how awesome our dad is, that inspires me. And so we want to pray all times because our hearts are just open to his influence in every facet of life. Mm. When in your life, though, and when you least expected God to show up in a big way, you weren't even praying for this, but he, show, he showed up in a big way in your life uh, that challenged your perspective of who God is in you. Wow, man, I have, uh, I have so many of those moments. And so what I would say is, I think where where God showed up unexpectedly is uh, our son, uh, when he was in high school, was one of the top high school football players in the United States of America. He was really good. He had multiple universities that wanted him to go to school there. Mm-hmm. And he chose a school. And during his freshman year, right before the season started, he called home and said, you know, mom and dad, um, I'm really good at football, but I don't love it. I love learning and I love foreign languages and I want to study abroad internationally and football gets in the way of that. Mm. And we told him to come home. And now he's a junior. He's a major in philosophy. He's pre-law. He loves Jesus. He speaks four languages. And God showed up in such a way because my whole life, I trained him to be a great football player and he loved it. Yeah. But there was so much freedom to say, son, number one, whether you play football or not, I love you. Number two, as your dad, I'm going to champion you and encourage you in whatever you do. And so God just gave me such grace that I wasn't like defeated or let down. I was actually excited for him to have joy and happiness and purpose and to be a man to say, I'm going to walk my own path with God. You know, dad, you did your thing and I'm going to do my thing. And I'm like, amen, son, I raised you to be a leader and I raised you to hear the voice of God. So go for it. Yeah. Can I just say that's all amazing. But the fact that he knows four languages and here I am still struggling with one <laughs> is truly <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> well, well, so 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 kind of the joke that we learned because we've been to Europe is that if you speak three languages, you're trilingual. If you speak two languages, you're bilingual, bilingual. If you speak one language, you're American. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like all of our European friends and African friends and friends from India, they all speak multiple languages. So our son uh, is doing that. So my daughter speaks a little Spanish and my wife is pretty fluent in Spanish. So, and I know a little Hebrew and Greek because I mess with it in the scriptures. So we're, we're doing all right, but that's his grace gift. He works very hard at it, but that's his gifting. And uh, the Lord uses that for sure. I'll be honorary American. How about that? <laughs> All right, man. One, one language. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but Derwin, I want to sort of bring my audience awareness to your new book. It's called God, Do You Hear Me? Uh, the, uh, the Discover the Prayer, God Always Answers. Um, why did you write this book in the first place? <sighs> I, I, I wrote this book out of the joy and satisfaction that I've had in prayer, and I wanted to share it. You know, like if you find something good and it blesses you, you want to bless others with, with it. And so so I wrote, God, do you hear me? Because I want people to love prayer and that's going to make them love Jesus more. But here's what happens, Jay, is most people view prayer as, OK, I got to pray versus no, I get to pray. Prayer is an invitation, but so often we view God as someone who goes, okay, I know Jesus, you know, I'm forgiven by Jesus, but am I really impressed in God? And people that you feel like you don't live up to, you don't want to spend time with them. And so the good news is Jesus is our good enough. Jesus lived up to the Father's standards for us. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus, Jesus gives us access to his father. Hebrews 14, 16 says that we can approach God's throne of grace and mercy with boldness and confidence. And the only reason we can do that is because of Jesus. God, the father inextricably sees us woven into the very life of Jesus. And so I wanted people to pray with just reckless love and abandonment, but also to pray in the framework of the Lord's prayer. Listen, if Jesus came out of that tomb, mm. then let's listen to him. Yeah. Prayer doesn't have to be a mystery. Prayer is an invitation of grace, of intimacy. In the Lord's prayer, into me you see, the Father wants intimacy. He wants your allegiance. He wants to form his kingdom on earth in us and through us. He wants to provide for us. He wants us to be forgivers as we've been forgiven. And then he wants us to walk in the power of the spirit yeah. to push back the darkness. A lot of people in the world say, well, there's a lot of evil in the world. And Jesus is going, I know that's why I came. And that's why I left myself in my followers. Yeah. That we're to clothe the naked. We're the fight for justice. And when I say fight, I don't mean with weapons. I mean with faith, hope, and love. We are to be the people of peace. We are to be the people of hope. The gates of hell will not prevail against God's kingdom. Gates are on defense. We're on offense. And our weapon is the gospel. Yeah. I've got a few more That's questions. Why I wrote the book. I love all that. I've got a few more questions for you, my friend, because I know that your time is very valuable. I really do appreciate this conversation. I believe God is definitely blessing it. I've been uh, blessed 100% by all the words that you are speaking right now. 
And I wanted to ask you, because it's not easy to write a book in the first place. Was it a huge challenge for you to write this book? Uh, you know what? Um, before I start is very challenging because I don't want to do it. Yes. <laughs> but, but God the Father just gives me a burden. And this is the best book that I've ever written because I was able to tap into storytelling. I was able to tap into devotional type writing. And so it actually was not that hard to write. It was very joyful and very transformative. Now, the spiritual warfare that once the book has come out has been pure hell. The hordes of Satan are angry. And there has been spiritual attacks like crazy. But what the enemy means for evil, God turns into good. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. And so I'm very excited about this book. And I wrote it in such a way that it can be read in community, there's a prayer at the end of the book, at, at the end of every chapter, yeah. questions to answer and things to remember. And so uh, I want to be a part of a generation that is raised up to pray prayers that move the heart of God. Mm. I want to be a part of a generation that prays with expectation, so much so that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit tiptoe on the edge of eternity and say, wow. Listen to them pray. Yeah. They still believe I can part the Red Sea. Mm. Well, are we able to turn to page uh, 17 in your book? And can you read out that prayer that you've written for us? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Because I, I happened to um, flick through the book yesterday and stopped on this one in particular. And I want my yeah. audience to, to listen to it because it's, it's quite profound. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, teach me to pray. I long to learn. I confess that most of the time I pray just to get things. Rarely do I pray to get you. Rarely do I pray simply to be with you. Today I choose to enroll in your school of prayer. Teach me, oh God, how to pray. In Jesus' name, who is the Lord of life and the one who gives me access to your ear. Thank you for hearing me. Amen. Amen. Wow. That was, uh, for me, what, what stuck the most out of all that was I confess that the most of the time I pray just to get things. Rarely do I pray to get you. Rarely do I pray simply to be with you. I think we, I can admit to this that I kind of, at times use God as like a transaction or prayer. Mm -hmm. Like I pray, I want this. You're going to give it to me, give it to me now, rather than okay. just spending the time in communication with God in relationship with him. Cause that's all part of it. If you don't communicate, you don't really have a relationship to begin with. So yeah. that for me stuck with me, man. So I wanted my audience to listen to it and it's a very profound prayer. So thank you so much for writing this book Thank in you. the first place for everyone. It's not just for Christians. I believe it's for everyone because they need to know God first and foremost, and then they can learn how to pray too. So yes, yes. And Jay, thank you. Is 
if there's someone that's listening, maybe you're skeptical, maybe um, you're agnostic, maybe you've fallen away from the faith, or maybe you're just an atheist. You're like, what do these people believe? I've written this book in such a way that you'll be able to at least understand why we pray. Because frankly, and I say this with humility, oftentimes we as Christians have turned God into basically a Venmo. Do you guys have Venmo in Australia? Is it like the equivalent of PayPal? It's like a cash app. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have that, Alan. Yeah. Oh, okay. So... So Venmo is this cash app that you can transfer money into accounts. And so typically what we do is we think if we say the right things, we can get God to Venmo us a blessing. Yeah. And God is saying, I want more than just to give you things. I want to give you myself. That is powerful. (laughs) It really is. My friend, thank you so much for your time today. My final question for you, this is my all-time favorite question I ask everyone at the end of all my conversations. This one has been one of my favorites to date, for sure. Uh, It's a hypothetical question, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I want that film to say that he was passionately in love with Jesus and that he loved his wife and his children well, and that he never saw anybody who was beyond the reach of God's grace. Where can people connect with you, my friend, and learn more about you? You can connect with me on social media at Derwin L. Gray. That's Derwin L. Gray, and it's gray with an A at Derwin L. Gray. You can also go to DerwinLGray.com, DerwinLGray.com, and that'll send you to uh, Transformation Church, where you can watch sermons, and uh, also where you can buy the book, God, Do You Hear Me? God, Do You Hear Me? It's a, I can't wait to get stuck into this officially, but Dr. Derwin Gray, thank you so much for your time today, my friend, and for your wisdom, your advice, and teaching me a little bit more about prayer and the power that it actually is. Thank you for writing this book, and thank you for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you, my friend. You're awesome. G'day. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the Storybox on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. 
Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>